Hey yo, happy weekend everybody. We're super excited because we got the one and only James Moses Black coming on the show to talk about basically anything and everything. This guy is absolutely amazing, but he also starred in the one and only Lansky talking about Meyer Lansky. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> did you say anything and everything? That's true. He's talking zombies, mobsters, sports. Yeah. Like, just the, the entire realm of anything we could talk about, we talked about. Yeah, seriously, man. It's a great one for the up-and-comers because this guy's been at it for many, many years and just <laughs> being very, very successful at his craft. Very yes. talented individual and keeping that positive mindset, which is very important, so everybody is going to completely enjoy this one. But that is later on the show. Now, let's get a little crazy what's up guys welcome back to another episode of inside the crazy ant farm holy moly we're on episode 170 this week oh my gosh damn we're there man we're right there yeah gonna celebrate 175 soon right and then 200 and rumor has it but you know because you guys have been asking and asking and asking and asking well 175 is the number guys forever guess rebecca is gonna come back yes everybody's super excited i I know i know so stop asking she's coming back come down come down but yeah she's a busy gal and we're busy people as well so it's going to be absolutely a blast and of course you guys know your host with the most myself jlo fantastic and the one only mouth what's up and you guys know you can follow us both at jlo fantastic and at crazy ant guy 1970 anywhere and everywhere on all freaking social media platforms we're on tiktok (laughs) twitter instagram all those good places but we have to give you a little tease on this next interview that we have coming up next week we went zoom guys we went to the zoom and we're going to be interviewing people face to face from now on after this week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you you have been warned. You're going to see the crazy as well as hear it. Oh man, it was a lot of fun though, so we're super excited to yes. expose you guys to that craziness. So, man, oh man. But yeah, like you said, Disney, it, there's a not I mean, there's some good news with the stock prices going back up and there was a conference call about the fiscal year and all that good stuff. But, I mean, Chappick is just in this freaking dirty-ass hot tub of a realm that he just cannot get out of. Yeah, yeah. Let's jump into it. Like you said, there was some good news to start off with, which Chappick needed because things were going pretty bad. That stock was like, woo. But the third quarter beat expectations. It beat Wall Street's expectations, right? Better than expected. Um, the bottom line uh, and its streaming service. Apparently, Disney Plus added 12 million global subscribers, bringing the total to 116 million in less than two years. Uh, yeah, that has all the other streamers uh, trembling, I would think. That, so that's good news, right? Revenues climbed 45%, hitting $17 billion, up from $11.8 billion. So that's almost a $5 billion jump over the third quarter. That's huge news. And Disney posted a profit of $995 million, so almost a billion dollars, or $0.80 cents per share. That compared favorably with the loss of $4.8 billion or $2.62 a share uh, last year, as we know, in the middle of all the pandemic. So that's all good news. Um, How did it break down? Let's give it to you. The company's media and entertainment division, which includes all the film, television, streaming, blah, 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 $12.7 billion in revenue, 18% improvement on the prior year. Um, The theme parks, 
uh, experiences and products division logged 4.3 billion in revenue compared to 1.1 billion last year, um, which is great. And net income at the division of uh, hit 365 million, up from 1.9 billion the prior year. And it's direct to consumer, uh, which is Disney Plus, Hulu, Amazon. I mean, uh, ESPN Plus, all that kind of stuff. Saw 57 percent growth from uh, the year ago in the same quarter. So all of that is great news, right? That seems like even though we're seeing a little resurgence in Delta variant and a little bit of this, the parks are still open. People are still kind of going to the movies a little bit, you know. So they made some money. Yeah. They made some money, and Chappick needed that. Right? Yeah, he really did. And, I mean, during this earnings call, Disney CEO Bob Chappick Chappick himself also doubled down on the film's decision to release Black Widow on mm. Disney Plus, which everybody knows it's been a lot of mixed reviews um, in the theaters and on Disney Plus at the same time. Chappick also addressed the company's ongoing salary drama with uh, Scarlett Johansson, saying, "Quote: Bob Iger and I, along with the distribution team, uh, determined this was the right strategy to enable us to reach the broadest possible audience." While unsurprising that Chappick would bring Iger into the conversation, given his decades-long relationship with the top talent and the ongoing role as executive chairman, uh, this is the first time Iger has been mentioned since Johansson's lawsuit has been filed. Uh, you know, back in late July, Chappick also made a point uh, depicting that Johansson's legal fight is anonymously saying, "Quote." Since COVID, we've entered into hundreds of arrangements with talent. By and large, they've gone smoothly. Now, he also suggested that when Disney has had their alter its release plans for the movies, it has come up with ways to reward stars whose bonuses were tied to the box office performance, saying, quote, we figured out ways to fairly compensate our talent so that no matter what it's what the business model is, everybody feels satisfied. But moving forward, our release strategies will be made on a film-by-film basis on a global marketplace uh, conditionings and consumer behavior. And our team will take a bespoke approach to each individual project to do what's best for the movie and its constituents. Hmm. I think he's just trying to cover his ass, and I don't think he had a conversation with Bob Iger making it like a mutual thing to simultaneously release on both streaming platform and in theaters. I think he's just trying to cover his ass, and Disney is not in a good position with this man running the ship. No, you, you, you notice Iger didn't confirm that. I, Iger didn't come out with a statement and say, that's right. He wasn't backing yeah, him. Ch- yeah, Chappick's right. Because we know Iger was pissed off that, that they, they made this move. And you know why I think he said Iger? Because Iger loves Disney so much, he's not going to come out and make an, a, a, a statement against Chappick because he knows it would damage the stock price and it would damage the company. And Iger loves the company too much to do that. That's my opinion why I think Chappick felt safe to throw Iger's name out there. Feige, on the other hand, I think would have no problem, which is why Iger didn't bring Feige up. We do know from inside reports, though, guys, that both Iger and Feige are fucking pissed about the Black Widow situation, right? So what does Chappick do? Let's piss off more people at Marvel. What? This is the gravy train, buddy. This is the money maker. This is the biggest stream of revenue that you have for Disney, and you're fucking it up, bro. So not only did he like 
continue his bullshit with Scarlett Johansson, but also during the earnings call, Chappic apparently referred to the upcoming stu- uh, film Shang-Chi as an interesting experiment. Well, <laughs> that didn't go over so well with the star, Simi Liu, who took to social media to respond to Chappic's little comment. Um, he said, quote, we are not an interesting experiment. We are an underdog, the underestimated. We are the ceiling breakers. We are the celebration of culture and joy that will preserve after an embattled year. We are the surprise. I'm fired the fuck up to make history on September 3rd. Join us. Fired the fuck up in a way that he's excited to fucking finally put this movie out there for everybody to see, but also fired the fuck up being upset about Chappic's comments like this is absolutely ridiculous how would you say experiment especially with a diverse cast like that I feel like it's damn near borderline racist but it, you know no exactly and then you see the back and forth with Scarlett Johansson so he's got women issues yeah. he's apparently got issues with Asian culture as interesting experiments what the fuck Chappic yeah we're saying it buddy what the fuck like, I just, I think this is all bad news for Disney. The numbers might have put a little Band-Aid on the fucking wound, but you're still bleeding, bro. It's pretty rough. And you got to get that shit under control, man. It's very rough. But uh, some happy Marvel news. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Yes. Uh, what If dropped this week on Wednesday. Uh, it marks a huge milestone for Marvel being its first animated project from Marvel Studios. As the title suggests, the show takes you on a full advantage of storytelling possibilities of the multiverse uh, officially that Loki established. Uh, Each self-contained episode explores different alternative storylines, like Captain America's Peggy Carter taking up the super soldier serum role instead of Steve Rogers, and what if Black Panther's T'Challa has been a was abducted from Earth and as a child instead of Guardian of the Galaxy's Peter Quill, and so he becomes Star-Lord. And uh, like I said, it's the first Marvel Studios animation project, and a lot of people are really excited about it. I'm still very curious to see if that mainstream audience from the live-action shows will transfer over to the animation. No matter what, it's Marvel, so dead heart um, loyal Marvel fans will watch this thing. But, you know, you have those Fairweather fans who don't watch every single movie. So I'm curious if those people will go and watch this one. Yeah, we don't have any numbers yet, but I'm betting by next week's show we'll have the debut numbers for it. Yeah, I'm curious, too, to see if it'll do as well as the live action. But based on social media reaction, you would think that it will because it was booming everywhere. People loved it. Um, I loved it. I don't know about yeah. I, I thought it was fucking fantastic. I thought I the mean, animation was great. I thought the story wasn't as best as it could be. But I mean, I enjoyed it overall. I thought the story could have used a little bit more work. Sometimes I just felt kind of lagging and a lot kind of bored. Well, I so, think that's I intentional mean, though, because like after we talked about last week about how she's going to be the central figure moving forward throughout the entire season, I think. Episode one was literally just her setup, and her story continues throughout the rest of it. Yeah, so, so hopefully it's know. better. But I mean, like I said, first impressions. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like a seven out of ten. I mean, you know. Ah, you know, I love it. I'm gonna give it a ten out of ten. Buddy. Yeah, I hey, mean, that's not it though. That's not the only Marvel news we got, right? We also have a release date for Hawkeye. Finally, apparently, the Jeremy Renner starring uh, series will debut on Disney Plus November 24th. So right before Thanksgiving, which is gonna be so badass. 
pass. And if you don't know how many days away that is, no problem, because apparently you can keep track of just how many days it is. Uh, they put a countdown clock on the Marvel.com website to let you know when it was coming. Interesting. So, yeah, that's kind of badass. Right. And I mean, if you guys haven't noticed, basically every time one of these Marvel shows ends, a week or two passed, and there's another one coming. Yes. So, I mean, you got your Marvel fix. Uh, Free Guy, <laughs> the sci-fi action comedy starring Ryan Reynolds, is expected to finish first this weekend at the domestic box office. The PG-13 film is on track to debut around 18, I mean 15 to 18 million, uh, but I mean, it's getting released in a shit ton of theaters, 4,100 Amer- North American theaters, Yeah, uh, with some projections showing t- ticket sales could reach 20 million. Uh, a debut below 20 million would be disappointing since Disney and 20th Century Studios movie costs more than 100 million to produce, which makes sense. There's a lot of freaking CGI with this thing. There is. Uh, there release of free guy is a significant because the first disney film in about a year to have a traditional theatrical rollout free guy will be available only in theaters for 45 days uh the reason for that free guy is uh being exclusively released in theaters and not on Disney Plus because the film is part of the long-standing output deal with 20th Century Fox and Warner Media that calls for Fox's theatrical releases to have their uh, first pay TV window on HBO. So you'll probably be seeing that one pop up on HBO Max. Um, but yeah, man, I'm excited. Kind of. Not really. I'm not excited for this film. <laughs> I, I think it looks kind of stupid. <laughs> uh, I did see earlier today, though, the numbers are tracking a little better than that. Like About $26 million it looks like it's going to make. So at least that's above the $20 million mark, right? Yeah. Um, so And yeah, y- you know, it's one of those like um, – I don't know. It's just another one of those films that's going to be bouncing back and forth. Like you said, HBO Max first, then Disney+. Plus. So if you're not seeing it in the theater, maybe that's why it's doing a little better than projected because you have to see it in the theater because you're not going to be able to see it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you don't have HBO Max, you won't see it at all except for in the theater. So you know? Exactly. Um, it's just one of those weird things where it bounces back and forth from streamer to streamer. They're doing that a lot. Um. This is exciting news, though, and I guess this is maybe one of those deals that Chapik was referring to that went pretty well. <laughs> I don't know. But Emma Stone has apparently closed the deal to star in the upcoming Cruella 2. The new agreement comes on the heels of the lawsuit that Scarlett Johansson filed about not getting paid, but apparently Emma Stone is getting paid. Um, They worked something out with her, so I'm excited, though. That movie did, like, really well, and it, and it was a big performer for them, so... Good, and I like Emma Stone, so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Still have to watch the first one, so it's going to be interesting to see. They got to keep some people happy because they're pissing off Marvel people. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Kate Burton is set to reprise her role as Dr. Ellis Gray in Grey's Anatomy. Remember, Hmm. this is Meredith's mom, guys. Uh, With season 18 premiering and airing on September 30th, uh, the beach sequence concluded with Meredith waking up towards the end of last season, but it's unclear how Ellis Gray will be reintroduced into the show. Ellis was last seen in uh, season 15 back in 2019, Blood and Water, uh, appearing in Meredith's dream. Ellis, who was suffering from Alzheimer's, died in season three. Yeah, I was going to say, like, so that's going to be interesting. They're not doing these beach scenes anymore, and... She's dead, so I think it's, it's going to be a be, lot of dream sequences. You, you think, even though it's like, so she's awake now, but she's still going to be having these things in the dreams. Yeah, I that think it's going to be like, hey, don't turn out like me. Quit, mm. retire. So you know, 
I like it. Yeah. I mean, maybe. We, it, okay. And it should be the last season. It should be. <laughs> just it, putting it, that just, out there. Yes. I it, love it, but please end it. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, what's left? Is she going to wake up in the shower? You know, she's going to be in the shower and, and find out it was the entire run was a dream, like in Dallas. Like, don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, here's another one we've been talking about, right, for a long time. ABC's upcoming Latino drama series, Promised Land. We've been talking about it for several months on the show. Well, we can now officially say that the network has picked it up to series. Officially picked it up to series. Nice. Matt Lopez is set to write and executive produce the pilot for the story that follows two Latinx families vying for wealth and power in California's Sonoma Valley. Lopez uh, has developed a number of other projects with ABC and other broadcasters in the past. Um, ABC's signature is going to be the studio for this one. So There you go. There you go. Oh, man. And the network has, however, opted not to proceed with the fairy tale themed Epic, exclusively (laughs) produced by Once Upon a Time creators Adam Horowitz and Edward Kittis. Uh, The large-scope drama uh, headlined by Brittany O'Grady, also starring Sarah Hyland and Eleanor Fianca, was described as a romantic anthology that reinvents fairy tales for a new audience. Yeah, so as big as Once Upon a Time was and the creators behind that, I thought that was a shoe in but apparently not. Yeah, right? <laughs> I know you're super excited about this one. Fuck Disney no. Pl- <laughs> I'm really Sarcasm. See, you can't, you can't do it. Disney Plus has announced the Home Sweet Home Alone, the revival of the Home Alone holiday film franchise, as you guys know, will appear exclusively on Disney Plus November 12th. 12th, Ellie Kemper, Rob Delaney, and Archie Yates are going to top line the Dan Mazur directed film, which is the first in a line of planned Disney refreshes of Fox titles post merger. Yates plays Max Mercer, a mischievous resourceful young boy who has been left behind while his family is in Japan for the holidays. So when a married couple attempting to retrieve a priceless heirloom set their sights on the family's home, it's up to Max to protect it from the trespassers. <sighs> I mean, whatever. This is going to be Disney Plus's, like, I don't want to say first. Well, it's going to be their first non-Pixar film that will be released exclusively on Disney Plus and not in theaters. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to critique it like hell. But like I said, there's no need. There's no need. The first two were perfect. You don't need to remake them. Okay. Yeah. Enough said. Uh, Hulu has rounded out its cast for a highly anticipated How I Met Your Mother update. Um, How I Met Your Father. The 10-episode comedy revolves around Sophie. Everybody knows played by Hilary Duff, who is telling her son the story about how uh, she met his father. Sophie and her close-knit group of friends, who are all in the midst of figuring out who the hell they are, (laughs) what they want out of life, and how to fall in love in an age of dating apps and limitless options. Uh, Now, here's the full cast. Hilary Duff stars as Sophie, obviously, as I just said, and serves as producer on the series. Chris Lowell, who's from Veronica Mars, plays Jesse, an aspiring musician who works as an Uber driver and makes just to make ends meet. Uh, Francisca Rasha from Gronish plays Valinta, uh, Sophie's roommate. The character is an aspiring stylist and Sophie's great friend. Tom Ainsley from the Royals uh, will play Charlie, an aspiring model who fell in love with Valentina <laughs> at uh, London Fashion Week who followed her to New York. Uh, Tyne Tran from Space Force will play Ellen, Jesse's adopted sister, who oh. just moved to New York from a small farming town after separating from her wife. Uh, Suraj Sharma 
from God Friended Me rounds out the cast as Sid, Jesse's roommate and best friend. He's a new bar owner and plays the optimist to Jesse's cynicism. So... There you go. That's a lot, man. That's it's, a lot. I mean, it sounds like an interesting group of people, though, so yeah. it should be entertaining. Agreed. We'll see. Can it live up? I mean, it, I hope Barney makes an appearance. That's all I'm saying. Maybe badass. You know? <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, uh, Girl Meets World, you remember that? You, Yeah, yeah. Rowan Blanchard? Well, apparently her and Adul, oh my goodness, Alula Kraholo? I'm sorry I butchered your name. I, I, I'm so sorry. Have signed on to lead Hulu's upcoming queer teen movie from director Sammy Cohen. Blanchard will play Paige, an aspiring artist who's thrust out of her comfort zone when forced to join the track team, captained by her longtime crush. But she soon finds falling herself, uh, falling for the unexpected teammate, ultimately discovering that real love feels like. Cravello will play AJ, an elusive track star who has always lived in the shadow of her twin sister. Written by Kristen King and Casey Rackham, the untitled film is produced by Animal Pictures, which is Natasha Leone and Maya Rudolph's company. So, there you go. Right? Very interesting. Yeah. Man. Very freaking interesting. Now, Ryan Murphy, everybody knows he's got a huge universe when it comes to this American Horror Story yes. shit. Uh, he's expanding his television footprint once again with another installment of American Crime Story franchise, uh, tentatively titled uh, Studio 54, yes. An American Crime Story. Now, it's in development at FX and as well as the new limited anthology series American Love Story and American Sports Story. Mm. The first installment of American Love Story will tell a scripted tale of John F. Kennedy Jr. and Carolyn Bissett Kennedy, Mm. Uh, while the first installment of America's Sports Story will focus on former NFL and convicted murderer Aaron Hernandez, currently in development. Now, Studio 54 American Crime Story will follow Steve Rubble uh, and Ian Schrager. Uh, who in 1977 turned their midtown Manhattan disco into an international mecca of the nightlife scene. After three years of lavish partying, music, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, they both fell hard when they were convicted of convicted of tax fraud hiding that money up in the ceiling exactly (laughs) i'm super pumped about that especially since we've been down in the little basement area it looks freaking awesome like i'm just i'm loving all these concepts though i mean these are definitely things that people have always been very interested in so i think they're going to be huge absolutely but he's not finished the spin-off from american horror story you remember that american horror stories well it's apparently been renewed for season two at fx on hulu the series is a spin-off as you guys know of american horror story like i said the first season of the spin-off series debuted in july with the seventh and final episode of the season set to drop uh the 19th which is like this coming week so that's pretty awesome um yeah man yeah and uh season two i guess is expected to debut in 2022 Mm, there we go there we go uh now what we do in the shadows is none of your business uh has been renewed for season four at fx season four is slated to debut in 2022 the news comes ahead of the debut of the show's third season which premieres in september it's actually september 2nd if you want to mark your calendars Mm. the first two episodes of season three uh that will drop the day and be available to stream on fx on hulu the following day so you know mark your calendars if you're super into this show i know it's got a huge cult following so i know a lot of people are excited about it yeah I'm not. I haven't seen it. I don't know, but, you know, maybe I'll check it out at some point. Now, jumping to Fox. 
which is not Disney, Fox, not FS. Go back and read the merger. Figure it out. <laughs> House Broken has been renewed for season two at Fox. The animated comedy you guys remember stars Lisa Kudrow, Clea Duvall, Nat Faxon, Will Forte, Tony Hale, and so many others. Um, You guys remember Duvall also co-created the series. In Housebroken, Honey, who's played by Lisa Kudrow, a standard poodle, opens her living room for the group to come and support each other through the misery, mayhem, and majesty of being a pet. It's super goofy if you haven't got checked it out. I, I it's have it. Super goofy. But but it's got a season two. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Warner Brothers now heading over to the bunny. They're trying to make amends with the theaters, all the theater chains, because you know they pissed a lot of them off with the same day release schedule back in the pandemic time with HBO Max and everything like that. But Warner Brothers and AMC Theaters have reached a formal agreement to show the studio's 2022 film slate on the big screen for an exclusive 45-day window. Now, Warner Brothers has had a similar plan with uh, Cineworld, the owner of Regal Cinemas, back in April. So this only makes sense that they make around the same type of deal with AMC. Like I said, they're just trying to make amends. And, I mean, everybody needs to make money, so this is the best way to do it. It's still weird to me. 45 days. Like, that is so quick. I mean, I know most of the movies now make most of their money in that first weekend. Yeah. But still, just 45 days is like a blink, and then they're on streamers. Mm -hmm. I know. I don't know, man. Uh, Let's see. According to sources, the weekend viewership of Warner Brothers' The Suicide Squad on HBO Max, 2.8 million U.S. households over the film's Friday to Sunday time frame. Uh, that number among movies on HBO Max marks the highest weekend ever for a DC property, ahead of Justice League's The Snyder Cut, which was only 1.8 million households, and ahead of Wonder Woman 1984, which was 2.2 million. The Suicide Squad underperformed uh, in the opening at the domestic box office, although, you guys know, 26.5 million. That's below the hoped-for 30 million. Uh, and for example, like there's reasons for that. We think, um, it was one available for free to 47 million people on HBO max and the surge of, uh, you know, the Delta variant people are kind of shaky. So, you know, makes sense that it did better on HBO max than it did in the theaters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, if you would have went to the theaters, it might've helped it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, everybody yeah. remember when he said suicide squad, superhero That's movies right. are meant for the theaters. This bitch watched it on HBO Max. I couldn't sleep. I watched it on HBO Max. And still didn't go to the theater and see it, but it's fine. It's It's, fine. Hey. Uh, The long-awaited Spawn movie is finally back in the works. I know a lot of people are excited about this one. I am. This is very much a cult character, so, I mean, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Brian Tucker, who pinned the 2013 Russell Crowe and Mark Wahlberg crime thriller Broken City has been hired to write the script for the feature project. Jason Blum's Blumhouse production is behind the feature, which has Todd McFarlane, the creator of the comic and the character, attached as director. Now, the project has been in development since 2017. Yeah. And at one point had Jamie Foxx attached to Star and the freaking awesome character role and jeremy renner as the detective nicknamed twitch 
However, because time has passed since the initial boarding, it is unclear whether the actor is still involved. I hope so, man. I mean, try to rope him back in. There's no doubt that he is super fucking busy, but I, he would make a great spawn, in my opinion. Oh, without doubt. And uh, from what I know, the reason that Renner and, and Jamie Foxx agreed to do it was the script that, that McFarlane had written. Yeah. So it's interesting that they're rewriting exactly. the script with a different writer. Um, I hope you can keep the two stars because they would be epic. Agreed. Really curious to see Jeremy Renner's Twitch. Mm-hmm. That's going to be really cool. So, man, I hope so. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, oh my gosh, this is huge news, and his Troublemaker Studios have signed a first-look deal with HBO and HBO Max. Now, under the deal, Rodriguez will bring projects to HBO Max and HBO for potential development as original series. Oh, nice. Racer Rodriguez, Rodriguez's son, will serve as lead development executive under the pact. Productions could also potentially be completed at the Troublemaker production facilities based in Austin, Texas. Mm. So there you go. That's exciting, man. And I love that he's getting his son in on it yeah he's a, an amazing creative so i love to see what he has coming for him next hell yeah uh new lines 8-bit christmas will premiere exclusively on hbo max november 25th in all countries that the service is available meaning u.s and latin america as we told you 8-bit christmas stars neil patrick harris himself and is a humorous and heartfelt look back at the adventures of childhood <laughs> set in suburban uh, chicago in the late 80s the story centers on a 10-year-old Jake Doyle's Herculean quest to get the latest and greatest video game system for Christmas. This sounds way better than Home Sweet Home Alone. Just saying. (laughs) So let's just watch this shit and not that shit. You had me at late 1980s uh, or or Neil Patrick Harris. Both of those are reasons to watch right there. That's all I'm saying. Holy shit. Did you guys catch Titans? Season three. The first three episodes dropped and damn. It's so good. It's so freaking good, y'all. Like the end of season three, no spoilers, but you're going to be like, what? They did that. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. They did that. Um, It's epic. It's off to a great start. Loved every character. I think Barbara Gordon is just fucking perfect. Uh, Nightwing is jacked. Like Starfire in the costume. Just so damn good. One of the best parts about it, in my opinion, Scarecrow. I thought that I just, uh, Vincent uh, Carthizer did like a brilliant portrayal of him. But might be too good of a portrayal of him apparently uh he apparently was the subject of multiple investigations for his behavior on the set of season three of the series um yeah so um that's a little bit uh disturbing according to an individual with knowledge of the situation carthizer was first the subject of a complaint for what was described as disruptive juvenile behavior and making inappropriate comments on set now warner brothers television labor relations department investigated and found that his actions didn't warrant him getting fired from the series, but he did get a corrective action. Mm. Then a second complaint, apparently, was made by somebody sometime later, which led Warner Brothers Television to assign a representative to keep an eye on the activities of what he was doing on set. Now, due to COVID protocols, the interviews were conducted virtually by Burbank-based investigators. Vincent, however, vehemently denies the allegations, and he said in in a statement, Warner Brothers investigated this matter and made clear to Mr. Carthizer its expectations for his behavior on set and he agreed to comply with their directives there it is 
there it is, man. I mean, it's very much a double-edged sword because, I mean, we don't know exactly what happened, just that some harassment occurred, possibly. Um, but, I mean, with the storyline going forward, it looks like they're going to use Scarecrow in more of a, like, big dramatic way. So I feel like maybe they're just trying to keep an eye on this motherfucker so he doesn't do anything stupid. Yeah. But, I mean... If something happened, I I don't know, man. He just needs to get his shit together and apologize and take own up his actions because that's what helps people move forward at the end of the day. Yeah, and 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 you know he's famous for Mad Men, you guys know, and he's married to uh, Alexis Bledel, Rory, and just I feel like he's never had an issue in the past. So I'm just wondering if this was all just a big misunderstanding. Um, but you're right. If even if it, it was a misunderstanding, I mean, he's playing a psychopath. Scarecrow's a psychopath. Yeah. Maybe he was just in character and going a little overboard with the character, right? But if that did make somebody feel uncomfortable, that is harassment. And like you said, own it. Just say, hey, maybe I got a little out of control. Maybe it wasn't funny. I'm sorry. Just own that and move up. But. I'm hoping it was just a misunderstanding because agreed, know. agreed. We're human. We're not perfect. Everybody tries to freaking predict or like make themselves perfect, but we're not. We all make mistakes unintentionally. It's I can okay. Only imagine Heath Ledger. Like he never came out of character. Are you trying to tell me he never made somebody feel uncomfortable on well, set? Well, exactly. Like I mean, and I you mean know. the whole thing with uh, Jared Leto's portrayal of the Joker and like right. sending people dead rats and shit. Like, right. Definition like, of harassment. So. Yeah, yeah. I just you know I just think maybe he just went a little over the top with Scarecrow. Exactly. Agreed. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, HBO has ordered another season of Mike White's The White. Lotus, a vicious, buzzy satire set <laughs> at the uh, Ornit Hawaiian Resort. According to HBO, its second installment will leave Hawaii, and it follows a different group of vacationers as they jet to another White Lotus property to settle in temporarily amongst its inhu or uh, hin- inhabitants. Mm. So, sounds very freaking interesting. I, I, I've heard. All kinds of things about this. It blows up on social media. Everybody's talking about it around town that I know about and everything. I haven't seen it. I know nothing about it. But apparently it's pretty popular. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, got to jump on board that one. I guess so. Going to have to check it out before it moves out of Hawaii to wherever the next White Lotus is. I have no idea. This one, I'm just going to call it. Mark my words. Mark the date. Mark this show. I'm saying it. This project Dead in the water, will not move forward after I tell you this news. Completely It's agree. overdone, out of there. Completely agree. The CW's Powerpuff live-action pilot has lost Chloe Bennett. She has exited the project, uh, which she was set to star, as you guys know, as Blossom, opposite Dove Cameron and Yana Perot. Now, that's nothing against Dove Cameron and Yana Perot, but without Chloe Bennett, this thing is dead. Um, apparently, according to sources, they say she did not re-sign a new deal to stay with the project due to scheduling issues. Cameron and Perot will, however, stay on as uh, the remaining Powerpuff Girls, but the search for a new Blossom will begin in the coming months. Other cast members, as you guys know, we've talked about this on the show. Donald Faison as uh, Professor Drake, Utonium. Nicholas Podoni as the show's version of villain Mojo Jojo. And um, Mondell Jr. as uh, and Robin Lively as Sarah Bellum. They're apparently all currently in ongoing talks to come back and re-sign new stuff. Now, the reason that they had to re-sign new stuff, guys, if you're confused by all this, remember... They didn't like the pilot, and so they had to go back, and they're reworking and reshooting the pilot. The problem is is that their commitments to the actors expired. 
So in order to go back and continue to shoot this thing again, they need to re-sign the actors. Um, I have a theory about this with Chloe Bennett, though. Yeah. I think uh, the scheduling conflict that she's referring to is um, I think she's doing a Marvel project. Mm. It's long been in the works, I think, uh, and she keeps denying it, but she has made it perfectly clear that if they ever wanted Quake back, she would go. And long has been the rumor that she would be making an appearance in Miss Marvel. Um, and I, I think that's what's happening. Yeah. And she chose to go where her bread was buttered oh yeah for sure and i mean i just think all of these freaking contracts are going to run out yet again and these projects or these actors need to work so i mean they're all going to move on from this thing which probably wasn't going to be good in the first place so i mean <laughs> kudos to chloe bennett for you know choosing in my opinion the right decision because like i said this the concept is so stupid. Yes. So stick with Marvel. Exactly. Always exactly. stick with Marvel. <laughs> I'm so excited about this next one though. We're heading over to Viacom CBS because Hot Off his starring role in the Suicide Squad. Idris Elba has joined the cast of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 as the voice of Whoa. Knuckles. Now, Sonic's nemesis turned friend, the characters first appeared as an antagonist back in 1994's Sega video game Sonic the Hedgehog 3 tricked by the evil Dr. Robotnik and turned into Sonic's enemy. Now, he becomes a playable character in the follow-up game, Sonic and Knuckles, released later the same year. Uh, Knuckles ultimately realized who the real bad guy is and switches side. Knuckles is a badass character. If you didn't play any of the games, like, this guy is fucking so cool. And he's red, which is my favorite color. So, oh, yeah. I mean, of course. But, I mean, Idris Elba, like, I mean, this guy is slowly but surely like coming up on my favorite actors list because i mean he is so good yeah and so he's diverse the yeah. role i mean yeah to, to, to go from you know blood sport to knuckles that's a huge agree game. i mean that's what you got to do though man that's what you got to do um speaking of diverse oscar nominee jackie earl haley and tony nominee maria diza and jeremy bob are all set for recurring roles on i bet you can figure this one out the first lady because everybody is joining this project exactly. it's just so crazy Haley will play uh, Lewis McHenry Howe, a former reporter for the New York Herald who spent the majority of his political life serving as political advisor to FDR, resulting in running FDR's landslide 1932 presidential victory campaign. Dizia will portray Lucy Mercer. Now, this one's an interesting, guys. Lucy Mercer Rutherford, Eleanor Roosevelt's dear friend and social secretary who had an affair. With uh -huh. FDR and was a turning point in Eleanor's life. Yeah, that's going to be juicy. Bob will play Theodore Roosevelt. Yes, Teddy himself, the other President Roosevelt, the progressive 26th President of the United States, and Eleanor's uncle. So that's going to be really interesting. Agreed. Man. I can't Agreed. believe they're doing the affair thing, but go. Go. Right? I know, right? And I mean, I just, I just have to put this out there. I have to ask why are men who were from this era all assholes and douchebags they basically all cheated on their wives like it's super fucked up so what is up with that i don't know because eleanor roosevelt too was like the most solid woman stand behind your man and do every when he got polo and couldn't i mean she was basically everything that held him up and kept him going and you gonna <laughs> cheat on her he with got, that? he got marco 
<laughs> you said polo. Polio? Polio, yeah. You know, polio. Marco Polo. Marco Polio Polio. polio. Yeah, there yeah. it is. But it's just crazy, though, right? Yeah. Like, I it don't is. Even It's know. really weird, man. Really weird. Even with Kennedy and Jackie. Like, I mean, I understand it's Marilyn Monroe, but come on now. Jackie <laughs> was beautiful. So, I mean, it's just crazy. Man. It's crazy. Know. And plus, you had children. There's no point. And Nickelodeon is extending its three-series SpongeBob SquarePants franchise with a combined order for 52 new episodes, which includes a Camp Coral Season 2 renewal, which apparently is doing really well on Paramount+. Plus. The pickup is uh, comprised of a 13-episode Season 13 backorder of the original SpongeBob SquarePants series and 13 more episodes added to the first season and spinoff of the patrick star show now both on nickelodeon as well as total of 26 episodes of cg animated prequel camp coral spongebob's under years on paramount plus a 13 episode season one back order and the 13 episode season two pickup. So they got a lot more stuff happening. And I'm honestly surprised because this is one of the longest running kids shows of syndication for like, it's been forever. It's been at least 20 years. Yeah. I mean, so, but people love him. Kudos. I mean, good for, good for SpongeBob. Yeah. Good for SpongeBob. Okay. Let's jump over to NBC Universal. Andre Brower has joined Universal's upcoming feature adaptation of New York Times bestseller, she said mm. about Pulitzer Prize winners Jody Cantor and Megan Tohaney's investigative journalism into movie mogul Harvey Weinstein's history of sexual assault, which, of course, you know, led to his conviction. Brower joins previously announced cast members Carrie Mulligan, Zoe Kazan, and Patricia Clarkson. That's a pretty epic cast, I'm just saying. Right, and I mean, this story is still very hot because there's a lot of things happening with his court cases right now. Yeah, he so. just got one of them uh, thrown out, so he, he got at least one win. I yeah. mean, <laughs> exactly. Fuck, man. Uh, Universal Pictures will handle the distribution of Redeeming Love in U.S. and the Canadian theaters. Director DJ Caruso and film stars Abigail Cohen, Tom Lewis, Logan Marshall Green, uh, Famke Janeson, yes. and Nina Debrev, and Eric Dane, my man, Dr. Steamy, a, a love story that takes place against the backdrop of California Gold Rush in 1850. Uh, the film follows Angel, who was sold into prostitution as a child, who has served through hatred and self-loathing until she meets Michael Hosea. Who and discovers there is no brokenness that love can't handle. Mm. The film is slated for release in early 2022. You know what this kind of reminds me of? This reminds me of the first Young Guns with Keith Sutherland's character and that um, indigenous Asian girl's character. Like, I mean, basically sold kind of into prostitution, but we're going to get you out of it. So. That's an interesting analogy. Yeah, I mean, they know. It's what I, comes I, to but, mind. I, but I like it. I, I, I like it. And who doesn't love young guns? I mean, come on now. Oh, that's. That's deep, man. Uh, Jen Statsky, you remember her? Has extended her overall deal with Universal Television. Now you guys are thinking, why does that name sound familiar? Well, Statsky's the co-creator and co-showrunner and executive producer of the huge hit on HBO Max right now, Hacks. The series, which she created alongside collaborators Lucia Aniello and Paul W. Downs, recently earned 15 
15 Emmy nominations and was renewed for a second season. You tend to get a second season when you get 15 Emmy nominations. I'm yeah. just saying. Oh, but <laughs> that's not for Warner, though. She jumped and signed a big deal with Universal. Statsky signed her first overall deal with Universal Television in 2019 before Hacks, and she was an executive co-producer on NBC's The Good Place. Mm. Yeah, so there you go. Good for her, man. Very freaking interesting. <gasps> This one's exciting. I know. It's a hard not life, man. Titus Burgess <laughs> has been cast as Sleazy Rooster in NBC's production of Annie Live. Rooster is the young brother of the main villain, Miss Hannigan, uh, played by Taraji P. Henson. So epic. In this live holiday production of the classic musical, Rooster escapes from jail and plots with his gold-digging girlfriend, Lily, to ruin everyone's plans and get rich. While still making time to sing the famed Broadway number, Easy Street, along with Taraji P. Henson, previously announced cast members include Harry Connick Jr. and the beloved businessman Daddy Warbucks and Nicole Schwarzenegger uh, <laughs> as Warbucks and uh, kid-loving secretary Grace casting the, t- the title role. Uh, Orphan has yet to be announced, though NBC held a virtual open audition for the role, hoping to find a future star to act and mm. sing and dance alongside the celebrities in this production. What's the Zoom ID password all audition? <laughs> for Annie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, whoever it is is going to have to have some serious singing chops if Daddy Warbucks is fucking Harry Connick Jr. Agreed. I'm just saying, look out. That's going to be fucking epic. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Fry's the movie. Talk about epic. We all love Fry's. Fry's the movie, which is a documentary created by Anthony Bourdain's Emmy Award-winning production company, Zero Point Zero, and Chrissy Teigen's Huntley Productions banner. Well, guess what? It debuted this week on The Peacock. The movie, which premiered earlier this year at the Tribeca Film Festival, is described as a lively exploration of what makes fries so ubiquitous and beloved throughout the world. Now, the documentary scours the globe, uncovering local flavors and untold stories from well-known chefs, celebrities, food scientists, and farmers, along with an eclectic mix of fry aficionados from all walks of life. Celebrities in the culinary landscape and beyond are featured throughout the documentary, including Tegan herself, in which she shares her fanatical love for the fried potato side dish. Makes sense. Everybody loves fries. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, come on now. Oh, man. Peacock secured the streaming rights to the Howie Mandel documentary, But Enough About Me. The Mm. film that examines Mandel's long career in comedy and his long battle with the obsessive compulsive disorder made the festival rounds this year, directed by Barry Arverich. Howie Mandel, but not uh, but enough about me, is available right now on the streaming service Peacock. So be sure to check it out. Oh man, I mean. Documentaries are huge right now. If everybody has watched Val, man, oh man, yeah, so. that one. Uh, I, I'm gonna check this one out though because, he, like, when obsessive compulsive disorder, this man is like seriously inflicted by it. Like, he won't even shake hands or like, I mean, it, and how it progressed. I mean, he used to make jokes about sticking his hand under the toilet with shit on it, and now this guy won't even shake your hand. Like, so, no, I'm I, yeah, I'm really curious to see how that 
progressed. Um, I don't know. Uh, Billy Zane has joined the cast of Peacock's upcoming MacGruber series, along with Joseph Lee Anderson and Timothy V. Murphy. They joined previously announced series leads, Will Forte, which of course plays MacGruber, uh, and Ryan Philippi, as well as cast members Sam Elliott and Lawrence Fishburne. Now Zane is taking over the role of Brigadier Commander Enos Queeth from Mickey Rourke in a recasting. Oh. Mm. Very interesting. Hmm. Wonder what he was doing. Billy Zane and Mickey Rourke are so totally opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. That's an interesting recast. It really is. I mean, it just... really is. Oh man, uh, Ryan Johnson and Natasha Leone's upcoming Peacock series, Poker Face, has set Nora and Lilia Zuckerman to serve as co-showrunners. Mm. The series received a ten-episode order at Peacock back in March. Johnson created the series and will also serve as a director and executive producer. Uh, Leon will star and serve as executive producer. Plot details are being kept under all the newspaper wraps aside from the fact that the show is going to be an hour-long mystery series. So, you know, they should bring the whole gang back. The whole mystery ink. I don't know. Uh, Scoob? Scoob. Oh. (laughs) At least bring Lady Gaga in and let her do poker face. Exactly. Epic fail if you don't. I'm just saying. Hey, Pierre Outlaw has drawn from her own experience as a physician assistant in the medical field for a comedy in... Okay, a comedy in the works at NBC. Pierre Outlaw has teamed with the Daily Show correspondent Roy Wood Jr. on the Untitled series, which is in development right now. Pierre Outlaw first started the project, then known as Rhonda Mitchell, MD, as a web series. The project focuses on an overbearing doctor after she takes over her father's Harlem-based practice and struggles to balance her personal and professional life while managing an irrelevant group of patients and coworkers. Mm, very interesting, right? <laughs> Heading over to Sony. This one sucks, man, because I hope this doesn't start a trend with everything else in Hollywood. Uh, they have announced that the Venom theatrical release has been pushed back three weeks. We just told you about it last week I with know. a release date. I uh. know, with the trailer just dropping. It was set to open September 24th. Now it's going to premiere October 15th, like I said. Three freaking weeks. That super freaking sucks because... It's going to be an interesting fall release like schedule. So, I don't know, man. This the variant and the original just throwing everything off. Everything so. off. I mean, including they're also apparently exploring an alternative distribution for uh the upcoming animated feature Hotel Transylvania Transformania. That's going to be the fourth one in that franchise. Oh my god, are they really on the fourth one? <laughs> uh it was set to be- debut in theaters on October 1st, but as JLo just said, the Delta variant raises serious questions about the safety of children under 12 since there's no vaccine yet for that age group. So that one kind of makes sense to me. But what I'm really, really fearful for, guys, is if they announce that about Carnage and they're thinking about it for Hotel Transylvania, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Yep. Is that going to be delayed? Are we going to see a delay in that movie? Because that is going to piss a lot of people off if that's the case. Exactly. Because it will not show up on Disney+. Plus. It can't. Sony won't let it. It's only in theaters. And if that one gets delayed, ah. Yeah, that one's going to really. Because what's that going to do to fucking Doctor Strange or all of the ones coming after that? Like, 
Mm. I know, right? Uh, Sony has released the first trailer for Denzel Washington's romantic drama, A Journal for Jordan, yes. star of the Michael B. Jordan. Uh, the film, directed by Washington, is based on the memoir, A Journal uh, for Jordan, A Love Story uh, and Honor. Now, the Pulitzer Prize journalist uh, Dana Kendi, uh, it follows a real-life story of the first sergeant, uh, surrogate, uh, Charles Monroe King, played by Jordan, who writes letters to his newborn, also named Jordan, uh, while he's overseas. King was killed in Iraq back in 2006 when his son was just seven months old, but his wife... uh, Keeps all of the letters in a book for their son. So it's kind of be got like a story that way. A tearjerker, man. That's what it sounds like. Oh, yeah. And and, and the mom there, the, the lead, uh, the wife, and a uh, newcomer, brand new newcomer. So, man, to be a newcomer and star opposite Michael B. Jordan and get directed by Denzel Washington, way to start the career. Yeah, right. I mean, shit. Good for you, man. This next one pisses me off. And I, I just agree with what you said last week. If this is going to be the case, just fucking end it. This just stop. It. This is a disgrace to Alex Trebek, in my opinion. Mike Richards has been confirmed as the permanent host of Jeopardy, taking the reins after producer Sony Pictures Television held a months-long process <coughs> bullshit of on-air auditions to replace Alex Trebek. Uh, a game show veteran, Richards has also served as executive producer on Jeopardy since last year. Sony's decision to tap him as the permanent host has generated some talk in the industry about whether there was a true competition uh, amongst the 15 other people that co-hosted the show over that period of time. Uh, Richards will continue in his role as executive producer of Jeopardy and its companion Wheel of Fortune in addition to stepping in front of the camera. Now, also announced, Mayim Bilek, former star of the Big Bang Theory has also been tapped to host a series of primetime Jeopardy specials and a potential spin-off series for the syndicated quiz show. I think she would be more popular, more successful than he would. I uh, give without, her the fucking part. Yeah, like, yeah I, I just I, I I don't want either one of them. And this is horrible. Like this guy, a, a game show veteran. Yeah. And apparently getting harass you know, harassing people and being sued when he was on the prices right, just just end it. Just end it. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Completely agree. Now heading over to MGM, a group of four major labor unions representing almost 4 million workers is urging the Federal Trade Commission to block Amazon's proposed oh. acquisition of MGM. In a 12-page letter sent this week to the FTC, the Union Strategic Organizing Center, uh, argued Amazon's 8 Four five billion dollar takeover of MGM should be blocked to prevent Amazon for a, a missing more power in the entertainment industry and exploiting that through the anti-competitive business practices. What? Why? Why? Why would? Why now? Yeah. There's been so many huge mergers prior to this one. Why aren't you suing them to stop those? Like, what's the beef with Amazon or or MGM? Like, they've clearly got a beef with one of those companies because they're wanting to stop this. Well, thing. I feel like this is nothing compared to Disney and Time Warner. Yeah. This yeah. is nothing I mean, compared to that. Yeah. Because MGM is not as big as it once was, and Fox and Disney were huge at the time of their like. 
fucking oh man it yeah. just doesn't make sense yeah no and 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 warner getting ready to spin off uh you know and form with discovery from at&t what what why aren't you blocking that one like yeah this this is weird we're gonna keep an eye on this one because something shady going on with that uh lionsgate lionsgate has closed a deal for clancy brown to star opposite keanu reeves donnie yen hiroku sonata and the gang uh in john wick chapter four no details yet as to who Clancy will play, because they like to keep that stuff under wraps. But this one's getting quite the cast for John Wick 4. Agreed. I mean, I know you're a huge fan of those. Oh, um, So, yeah, I'm interested to see how this one does. Yes, and in previous story, I meant to say Fox, 20th Century Fox, not Time Warner. So Well, no, but it, it still made sense, because Time Warner was a merger with AT&T. And like, yeah, 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 yeah. So you could have been balancing both, you know. Mm, yeah, you know. The but, Disney merger, the Time Warner merger. But now you sense. all know. Uh, Jurassic <laughs> World Fallen Kingdom actress Daniela Pinda and Mulan actor Yosan Anis uh, are the latest to join Gerard Butler's crew and Lionsgate action thriller The Plane. Uh, yeah, uh, what's his face there? Uh, Daniela will play Bonnie, <laughs> a professional and formidable head flight attendant, and, and Anne will play Dell, uh, the first officer in an ill-fated flight. Mm. Cameras are set to roll in Puerto Rico uh, later this month. So, yeah. yeah, this is another one where it seems like every week we've got new people joining that plane. Yes, like, <laughs> they're, they're casting a lot of people for this shit. Do they not think Gerard can carry the film on his own? Like, right. what the fuck? Come on. Uh, Good Trouble star Sherry Cola is joining the cast of Adele Lim's upcoming R-rated comedy about a group of four friends traveling through Asia in search of one of their birth mothers. Now, Cola will appear opposite Ashley Park from Emily in Paris as one of the film's main leads. The movie, which is being produced by Lions Gate, Mark Lim's directorial debut. Uh, the comedy, which has been greenlit and fast-tracked for production, is expected to start shooting this fall. Yeah, wow, that is fast. Right? Okay. Like shit. Uh, and Judith Light is set for a key opposite role of Monica, a.k.a. Courtney Cox, and stars a horror comedy series, Shining Veil. The Gail Keener uh, and Marina Servino also star in this series. Shining Veil follows a dysfunctional family that moves from the city to a a small town uh, into a house which has terrible fucking backstories that have taken place there. Oh. But no one seems to notice except Patricia Pat Phelps, who is played by Monica Cox herself, uh, <laughs> who's convinced she's either depressed or possessed. Turns out Whoa. symptoms are the exact same. So how the fuck do we know what's going on in real life? Hmm. Yeah. So depression and, and possession, the symptoms are the same? Yeah, right. What? I know. Oh, that Shit. sounds creepy. Uh, just okay. Well, <laughs> but she's gonna do well. Courtney Cox will do really well in that. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Netflix. We're going over to Netflix, and they've got some legal trouble brewing. You know, because you know they like to compete with Disney, and they're like, "Oh, you got a lawsuit? Hey, we've got a lawsuit." I'm just saying. A judge apparently ruled on Monday that former prosecutor Linda Fairstein has a plausible claim that she was defamed by When They See Us, the Netflix series from Ava DuVernay, about the Central Park Five case. Fairstein sued Netflix and DuVernay and writer Atisha Locke back in March of 2020, alleging that the four-part series portrayed her as a racist, unethical villain who framed five young men for a brutal rape and beating. Netflix had argued that the show was protected by the First Amendment, in seeking to throw out the suit, the streamer argued that the filmmakers are allowed to use some dramatic portrayal of Ferenstein that was substantially true. 
However, U.S. District Judge Kevin Castile had the show uh, held that the show had depicted Fairstein in a way that could be defamatory in five scenes, saying, quote, the average viewer could conclude that these scenes have a basis in fact and do not merely reflect the creator's opinions about the controversial historical events. Uh-oh. Right. So this is land – because depending on how this case rules, that's going to be tough for creators who want to write about real people. Real life shit. You know, can you get creative and add a little drama to it or are you going to be told it's straight as how it was or you can't do it at all? Yeah. Because, I mean mm. – this could potentially be big. Exactly, exactly. Well, Catherine Zeta-Jones will play Morticia in oh. the upcoming uh, Wednesday Adams series at Netflix. Zeta-Jones will appear in a guest star role as the iconic Adams of the Matriarch in the series, titled Wednesday. Uh, now, she joins previously announced cast members Zena Ortega, Luis Guzman. Ortega will star as Wednesday, while Guzman will play Gomez Adams, Morticia's um, yes. husband. So, I'm excited about this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I'm really excited about this one and really sad at the same time. It's a wave of emotion. Lucifer, yep, yep, Netflix released the trailer for the sixth and final season of Lucifer, the end of season five, as you guys know, saw Lucifer almost becoming God. He did, but he's not sure he wants to, so that's why it's almost becoming God. Season six will follow the Lord of Hell all the world un- as the world unravels, with a god, uh, without a god, because he's not sure he wants to sit on the throne. Lucifer also stars Lauren German, Kevin Alejandro, D.B. Woodside, Leslie Ann Brandt, Scarlett Estevez, and Rachel Harris. I love the tagline, too. It says, all bad things must come to an end. Yeah. Like, mm, mm. I just, do we want him to be god? We don't want Lucifer's ending to be that he actually becomes god. I mean, just, Hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just devastated, man. I want this show to go on forever. Oh, okay. man. I'm done. Uh, Netflix <laughs> has also released a trailer for uh, Clickbait, which premieres August 25th. An 80-episode limited series follows a mystery that unfurls around Nick Brewer, who's played by Adrian Greener. Oh! Uh, freaking, what's his face from Entourage? Yes, uh, Vinny! Who appears to be a loving father, husband, and brother, but who one day turns out... Turns Turns up on the internet, clearly kidnapped, and holding a sign that says, I abuse women. At 5 million viewers, I die. Not knowing whether this is a threat or a true confession, Nick's sister, Pia, uh, who is played by Zoe Kazan, uh, and his wife, Sophie, uh, tried to race against the clock to find him and save him, which each episode is told from a different character's perspective. Mm. And the series will also star Jessica Collins, Cameron Ingalls, uh, Jalen Fletcher, Mattel Glenn Foster, Danielle Hensall, uh, Abraham Lim, Ian Meadows, and Phoenix Wright. So that's a lot happening. That sounds really intense, though. Like, like so... Did he do it? And is one of his victims the person who kidnapped him, or one or somebody related to one of the victims? Or like the thing says, did he not do it? And this is just some sort of scam. And like, like that's some intense shit. It really is. Good for Vinny, man. Like, all right, all right. I, I love him. He's a great actor, you know, and he's all over the exactly. Map, so. Go on the Victory Podcast, bro. They keep talking about how you want to go on, but do it. I know. Why won't you go on? I don't, like, that come on, man. If you won't do that, come on our podcast. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, exactly. <laughs> We love you. Hallmark movies. Whatever you're choosing to do, this crazy movie, just come talk to us. Exactly. 
Uh, Victoria Justice and Adam Dermos have signed on to star in the untitled romantic comedy, which Stuart McDonald is directing for Netflix. The film will center on a hard-driving L.A. wine company exec, well, you got me right there, who travels to an Australian sheep station to land a major client. There, she ends up working as a ranch hand and sparkling with a rugged local. Aww. Victoria Justice is going to sparkle with a rugged local over wine and sheep. I've been wondering where she's been. I mean, ever since Vic, or um, whatever the fuck that was, Victorious or whatever it was yeah, on yeah. Uh, Nickelodeon. Yeah. Like, I mean, she kind of dropped off. So she I mean, did. Coming she back looks in, a little different. Now. Yeah. So coming back in an adult role, I think is good. I mean, rebound her career. I think. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, I just want to throw this out there because they were they they had little crossovers and everything, and uh, I haven't watched it yet. But apparently, on one of the latest episodes of iCarly, it was taking some like oh shit on the internet because. Um, a threesome was involved. Oh. What? I mean, you so know. What? They were like, adults. They, they were, <laughs> I mean, I know they're growing up, but what? Uh, okay. All right. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to see who was involved in the threesome. That's right? all I'm saying. Exactly. Um, <laughs> The Avatar, The Last Airbender, the live-action series at Netflix, has found its four series leads. Oh. Jordan Cormier, uh, Kawatiano, uh, Ian Osley, and Dallas Liu have all joined the cast. Cormier will play Aang. Uh, Quintio will play Katara. Osley will play Sokka. And Lou will play Zuko. And the addition, the Netflix confirmed that Albert Kim has boarded the show to serve as writer, executive producer, and showrunner. Kim previously worked on shows like Sleepy Hollow, mm. Deadly Class, and Nitika. Or Nikita. Or, so, or Nikita. Nikita. <laughs> Either one of those three. <laughs> I mean, so, she was a spy, so it could have been all of those exactly. names. We don't know. Like, I'm very excited <laughs> about this, though, because this one's been long rumored and finally have a cast attached. I mean, means things are moving forward. I just hope it's better than the last live action attempt. Oh yeah, for right? sure. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, Daniel Sunja, uh, no Sunjata. I'm just kidding. Daniel Sunjata is the latest to join the cast of Netflix's psychological thriller limited series Echoes. He is set to play. Oh, this I love this one. This is the fun one that we were talking about before. He's set as a lead opposite Michelle Monaghan and Matt Bomer in the mystery thriller about the identical twins Lenny and Gina, both betrayed by Monaghan, who share a dangerous secret. Sunjata will play Gina's husband, Charlie Davenport, the quintessential Los Angeles psychotherapist. He's empathetic, charismatic, and an intellect to match married to Gina. He finds himself caught in the undertow of her deep connection to twin Lenny, but he has a hidden dimension as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, We were just talking about like what's going on with the other husband, so there you go. Alright, uh, this next one's super interesting and makes sense. Netflix is putting together all these big powerhouses. Power show uh, runner and creator, writer, producer Courtney A. Kemp has entered in a multi-year Dear Creative partnership with Netflix. Through the overall deal, well, she will develop her projects via her production banner, end of the episode. The company's development and support teams, as well as president Chris Selick, will join in the move to Netflix. Selick uh, will continue her role and lead the company alongside Kemp. The partner enables Kemp end of the episode to expand its global footprint while focusing on putting the spotlight on stories for women be uh, 
B-I-P-O-C and LGBTQ creators. So Ooh. that's very freaking important. So I'm happy for it. Yeah, and I know everybody's excited about this one. We've been talking about this one for a bit, but now we have a premiere date for it. Colin in black and white. Netflix's upcoming series chronicling the coming-of-age story of football player and activist Colin Kaepernick is set to premiere October 29th. The streamer also released several first-look images from the six-episode limited series co-created by Kaepernick and, of course, Ava DuVernay. I wonder how that lawsuit's going to affect that. Mm. Right. Uh, starring Jaden Michael as a young Kaepernick, the show tells the story of how the athlete's formative years, focusing on how he navigated obstacles of race, culture, and class as a black child adopted into a white family. Nick Offerman and Mary Louise Parker play Kaepernick's adoptive parents, Rick and Teresa Kaepernick. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good story to tell. I think so, too. Uh, heading over to Amazon, in a competition or a competitive situation, Amazon Studios has landed the rights to the pitch uh, Coyote Blue. Mm. Uh, the action film will be written by Derek Costin and screenwriter behind John Wick and Nobody. With This Is Us Emmy winner Sterling K. Brown attached to star Henley M. Chipepper uh, from Star Trek Picard will uh, make her feature directorial debut. The oh. studio revol- or the story revolves around an everyday man uh, who is hunted by a ruthless criminal syndicate uh, for his mysterious cargo and now must navigate the treacherous terrain of Route 66 while unleashing his lethal set of skills for the fight of survival. Wait, are we sure Liam Neeson doesn't star in this one? Yeah, right. <laughs> He's got a particular set of skills, I'm just saying. Uh, this one sounds interesting, too. Amazon Studios and Kaling International are developing Uzma Junaloon's novel... Hanukkah carries on as a film. The story puts a modern Muslim spin on a premise first made famous by Ernst Lubitsch's classic The Shop Around the Corner, which of course was later turned and updated with Nora Ephron's You've Got Mail. The novel follows two competing halal shops, Hanukkah's family, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, Hannah's family owns a restaurant called Three Sisters in the Golden Crescent neighborhood of Toronto, and its business is threatened when a more commercial, fusion-based eatery comes into town down the street. The catch is that Hannah and the owner of the other restaurant, Aiden, have an instant romantic connection. Sahar Jahani will write the script, while Mindy Kaling and Jessica Kumani-Scott will produce. So there you go. Very exciting, man. And another one Amazon is super excited about. Uh, They announced this week that I Know What You Did Last Summer will produce premiere its first four episodes on October 15th and additional four will drop weekly through November 12th so I know that one is super anticipated so we shall see how it goes yeah and I'm hoping again we see some of the originals make appearances in it I don't know but you know it always helps uh jumping to Apple you know him you love him we just talked about him last week in our top five he's so great Tom Hanks latest film Finch will debut on Apple TV on November 5th now in the film directed by Miguel Shepernick uh, the Oscar winner plays a robotics engineer of the same name who is among the few survivors of a cataclysmic I can't even speak today what is wrong with me solar event while the event left the world a wasteland Finch has built a world of his own in the time since which he shares with his beloved dog Goodyear also living with Finch in the underground bunker is a robot played by Caleb Landry Jones that he's built to watch over Goodyear when he no longer can. Ultimately, the trio embarks on a road trip in a desolate American West, and while on this journey, Finch looks to show his creation, who has named himself Jeff, the joy and wonder that come with being alive. Mm. That sounds 
really interesting. It really does. Like, I mean, it's Tom Hanks with with a robot and a dog. Exactly. Great cast. I mean, good story. So definitely going to watch that one. Yeah. Uh, John Lithgow has joined the cast of Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, playing the role of a prosecutor. Uh, two-time Oscar nominee joins the ensemble cast, which includes Leo, Bobby, and Jesse. So, I mean, this one's going to be huge. So, I mean, I just really hope the story is good. It sounds kind of weird. I'm uh, not going to lie. I know. But and, I hope it's good. And Brendan Fraser. And Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does sound kind of. But you got you got Encino Man joining, or, or Robot Man, whatever you want to refer to him. So, you know. Exactly. It's going to be... <sighs> Exactly. Know. But now it is time for our guest interview, guys. We got the one only James Moses Black coming yes. back on the show. Talk about everything he's been up to recently and talking about the pandemic and, of course, Lansky and so much more. This guy is everywhere, and you're going to hear his most embarrassing story, or it might be his most embarrassing film. <laughs> <laughs> like, so funny. How many actors wish they had never done something? Yeah. Well, you're going to find out. I mean, this is a good one. Exactly, exactly. Well, here he is. James Moses Black, welcome back inside the Crazy Ant Farm, man. Good to have you back. How you been? Oh, man. Good to be covered by Crazy Ant. You know, <laughs> it's just it's one of my favorites. Oh, man, we appreciate that. We appreciate that. Well, we're excited to talk to you. You've been a busy guy. You've got a lot going on, man. Yeah, man. The pandemic slowed me down a little bit, and uh, I started doing a lot of voiceovers, but as soon as it lifted, I got a little busy, so, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah, man. Keeping it busy, man. Exactly, exactly. Just another day in paradise, man. Another mm-hmm. day in freaking paradise. Well, we're happy you're at least staying busy because we know a lot of actors were out of work during the whole time, and, I mean, during the pandemic and during the shutdown, I mean, animation and voice acting was real hot, so I'm super yeah. happy to hear that for you. Yeah, man. I, I I did the uh, so I did the voice for uh, ESPN's uh, NBA uh, and college football. Nice. And I, yeah, and I did a couple of the uh, the playoffs for ESPN. And then when the finals went to ABC, I, I don't know why it's weird, but that, that got cut off. So <laughs> yeah, it was it was good, man. It was good. It was good. Well, good deal, man. Good deal. And then, like you said, when, once it all kind of lifted and everybody was able to get back in front of cameras and on sets and stuff again, you have been doing a bunch of stuff. And, uh, boy, let, let me – diverse, right? <laughs> because it's a yeah, bunch no of doubt. different things, man. No you, you, doubt, you've got some man. sci-fi zombie stuff. You've got some drama gangster stuff. And you got a comedy. I mean, that's pretty I diverse. Guess. Yeah, that, that's pretty different, man. <laughs> Listen, man, ain't no black people on the mob. <laughs> 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 and I said, you sure? It is no, no, no. We want it's 1970-71. We want you to be head of the Miami FBI. Yeah. And I said, listen. I said, listen, man. Listen, man. Ain't no black people head of the FBI in 1971, <laughs> man. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's but, right. Uh, I, yeah, but I did it, man. It was it was cool. Yeah, yeah. And for anybody not familiar, because it's a true story, obviously, you do play R.J. Campbell, the head of the strike force that went after him. Uh, never uh-huh. did find that three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I was thinking about making my own expedition to try to find. How do we know R.J. didn't have it the whole time? We don't know. Maybe yeah, you well, know. Well, I I didn't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously though, that it's a pretty intense movie. We, you, you know, we we, we recently talked to Cade who played Bugsy and um and uh-huh. it just it sounds intense man <laughs> I, I love the premise of it being told from the old you know Lansky kind of going back and recounting everything and uh right. I mean it's an interesting story you cannot deny it people in this country love mob stories man they love mobsters man they love I don't know it, it was just 
it, it was just, I think they're just enthralled with the whole, it, you know, mobsters were, are, were like, a, a, for us, a modern day sort of uh, a star or, mm-hmm. or, you know, some entertainer, you know, back in the day, mobsters were like, you know, they were the stars, man, you know? Exactly. But, I mean, uh, even in the 80s, people were talking about what suit John Gotti was wearing when he was yeah, leaving like Gotti the courthouse had. or like Al Capone back in the day, like all that good stuff. And I mean, right, even like, like Frank Lucas or Nicky Barnes, all those yeah, people, they're in the spotlight all the time. Celebrities. Exactly. Celebrities, you know? Hence the connection yeah. to Hollywood. I mean, uh, look at it. Back in the day, they were all connected, right? <coughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> they were. I mean, you, you think about Frank Sinatra and how many people he was connected to. That's and right. Some of his crew was connected to him, you know? It, yeah. And Howard Hughes was connected to him, you know. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was, they were celebrities, man. So that's right. Look I at that's the reason. Look the at reason you bringing America up the connection it. with Hughes now, getting all crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I love people that know history, bro. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay, so that one's out. People can watch that one right now, right? And then now you've got the let's let's jump into zombies. We're gonna go from gangsters to zombies, uh, okay. <laughs> which is very interesting because. It's on. It's streaming on uh, Amazon Prime right now. We're, of course, talking about SOZ, Soldados o Zombies, which, by uh-huh. the way, for anybody worrying, it's in English. <laughs> yeah, it it, yeah. it is in English. This is an interesting premise as well, man. Yeah, man. It starts off with uh, a cartel cat getting away from the, uh, getting away from, uh, the, the Mexican uh, policia and the uh, Americans conducting an experiment uh, about the ultimate soldiers. Huh. And these are these are not like your regular, you know, walking dead zombies. These right. these zombie created. And they still have all that cognitive skill, you know, of chasing, thinking, all this other stuff. So yeah. it's like, you know, these are these are like monsters, but they, they we I specifically want to turn them into a fighting machine. <laughs> so it is uh <laughs> right. And, and it's so crazy, man. Uh, they let me run crazy, which is sometimes good, and then sometimes you have to pull me back in. But, you know, it was like uh, it was like I discovered, like, gold with the zombies. Mm. And, and, and so I was in charge of, you know, making the gold and putting it out there to sell. But, you know, of course, with zombies and gold, it goes wrong sometimes. So I had to cap one of them, you know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I had to cap one of them, you know. So Exactly. I think, like, the horror genre slash like zombie <coughs> premise will always be hot. Somebody is always going to be interested in that type of genre. So I mean, yeah. to strike on something like that, especially when people are at home just ready to watch new content, especially something like this that really hasn't been touched on a lot. So I mean, yeah. talk about that. What is that like to be kind of like in this new realm? Well, I. You know, wait till they come. This is the one they're going to come out with. Uh, uh, zombies versus aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, you know that's coming. It's Yeah, that's coming, man. But it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, they said, when they're like, well, James, in season three, we're going to make you a zombie. And I say, listen, in season three, I quit. Let's be transparent with each other. So. There you go. I love it. <laughs> but but it's, a, it, it's a new type of, you know, it's, again, it's not your typical, you know, zombie but it, it's it's like a thriller it's horror and it's a ton of action like yeah like crazy action man 
and it uh, it's being released in like 204 countries. So I'm gonna be a star somewhere, right? <laughs> you, you know, yeah. Come on, now you're already a star. You know, but it, it's like Logan said. Uh, you, you know, because and 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 you bring up a very good point that it's not like The Walking Dead, right? Because The Walking Dead's right. well over a decade in, and that's why I think zombies continue to keep working because they people keep coming up with new ways to present zombies to the public, right? right? So right. as long right. as they can keep doing that, it's still gonna work. So you know. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so Colonel Murdoch's a badass, right? He's he's gonna be yeah, busting some pretty, caps, pretty, but not turning yeah, into zombie. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am the ultimate. If, you remember? You remember uh, Jack Nicholson and a few good men? Yeah. Now, how, how crazy he was, but he didn't act real crazy. That's right. I understand. I act berserko. <laughs> you know, all the way through. But it's it's subtle berserko stuff. But I am. You know, I my. The, 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 the character that I developed is not a subtle dude. Okay, it, 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 there's no subtleness about Colonel Murdoch. You know, <laughs> did you have a lot of leeway to? Uh, you said they let you run oh, loose. Oh yeah. That, so yeah. you you did a lot of ad lib and a lot of improvising with the character. Yeah, I did because you know, uh, it's just for instance, you'll see one of the zombies gets popped, and I'm trying to convince the zombie to come out the house. Right, so mm-hmm. he comes out the house and they pop him. And so I scream to the people behind, poke through, whatever, whatever. And then I get back on the microphone or whatever megaphone. And I said, listen, that was an accident. <laughs> like, that was hilarious. I was like, you try to get the zombies to come out and you pop one and say it's an accident. Oops. Yeah. Right. That's so Sorry. great. And I mean, what was your yeah. process like? Did you kind of come up with your own backstory for this character? Or was that given to you in the nah, beginning man, stages? No, nah, man. I, I, you know, if you look at my resume... I've always, like my first of all, my father was 23 years in the Navy. Second, uh, I used to live with a commander, right? Mm, right. This, this, yeah, you know, I used to live with a commander. So most of my roles that, that I played, you know, army officials or just people of sort of that power, mm-hmm. right? Um, it just, it, it just came naturally. You know what I mean? It just came naturally. Uh, just to, just to, just to wield that type of power over people were. You know that their responsibility is to be loyal, right? So no matter what I say, loyal. You know, exactly. and and so it wasn't that hard, man. It was just I just took my personality to another level. Uh, you know, because you know it's inside of us. Whether we do it or not is another thing. But we all have the propensity to do anything out there. The only thing that holds us back is probably morals and integrity. But everything else, I mean, we could do anything we want, and that's how I feel about acting. I just have to have the page. To tell me to do it right i mean you know? yeah yeah and well and anybody so. who knows you it makes sense that those are the type of roles too because anybody that knows you or has seen you you're, you're a rather imposing individual i mean you know? <laughs> so, right, especially if i don't smile that, yeah. that's right like, oh, that's right, man. Serious motherfucker. <laughs> it's like, like oh shit, yeah. I ain't messing with that. Uh-uh. Nah, I ain't nowhere near him. <laughs> Which even like, more take, so? No, go yeah, ahead. I take, I take two scoops of the ice cream, please. You know, <laughs> right. Like, even more so, yeah. why that little twist on "This Is Us," where you play the preacher, was pretty funny. I mean, come on now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, when I when I did that, man, I was like, listen, uh, uh, Sterling, don't start crying in the middle of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna cry with you, you know. Right? So, this ain't that. This ain't that. It's a pie, bro. It's a pie. Oh, <laughs> goodness, know. man. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, but see, this though, this natural humor that you have, right? You're you're a, you're a funny guy, and so it only makes sense that they got to get you into some comedies too, right? Yeah, I did. A, I did a comedy that's it's 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 weirdly listed on IMDb, but doesn't come out until uh, September. Right. It's called Liza Liza on Demand. Okay. It's a it's a YouTube bridge show. I guess they have a network, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so now they're in the process. You've been on three seasons. Oh. Okay. And they uh, they had to beg me to do the show, and I was like, listen, man, I, I don't do no dag on comedy, uh, <laughs> especially especially not no stupid comedy. But once I got to the show, uh, it was she was funny. So the fact that she was funny, right? I, it made it a better situation. Mm. Because, uh, if you're funny, oh, okay, you're funny, okay, good. Oh my gosh, she's funny, and we just started vibing. And of course, you know, I, you know me, I, I'm funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm funny. You know, you think you're funny. Okay, That's right. you wait and see this. You know? <laughs> so I, I had a good time, man. I had a good time. Well, so, good. You know, yeah. They, 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 they the two directors. Hey, James, why don't you do more comedy? I said, why don't you bring put me on the show permanently? All <laughs> <know>? right. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then said, I'm serious. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. That's right. That's right. right. You I'm can't serious. tell. You can't tell. Right. And I mean, with right. it being like a YouTube show and with their platform being so new, what was right. like is are the contractual negotiations and everything similar to like everything else you've done in the past, like with This Is Us and NBC yeah. and things like that? Yeah, it was all. It was all. I had one day contracts, mm-hmm. uh, so um, it was during just as they started lifting COVID back in April. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, so originally it started off at, as one price, and then they had to move me to the weekend. Mm-hmm. And once you move me to the weekend, it's, it costs you more. Right, exactly. So, come on, come on now. I was like, wow, this is a nice little payday. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just. Because at the end of the day, man, at the end of the day, listen, I get, it's like I'm supporting myself, and I think that's that's the that's the genius in doing what I do is I I get the support. I'm not starving, you know. Yeah. And 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 I'm not a millionaire or anything like that, but I'm supporting myself, and I think that's the sustaining thing for me. Exactly, that's the important part. And I was just curious because you know we're in the midst of the streaming wars, and basically you got HBO Max, Peacock, Disney Plus, Hulu, all these freaking places that are striving for content. So I mean, as right. an actor, I'm sure you're just excited, and everybody's chomping at the bits to have you because, like you said, you're a funny guy and an amazing person to have on set. So I mean. What's that like with all these streaming platforms coming out? Are you excited for future projects that you possibly haven't touched on before or anything like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm always down to, you know, work with some different people. Mm-hmm. And I've got a couple projects that I'm trying to put out as a writer. Nice. Uh, so uh, it's always cool to do a different show. And, and again, if you look at the resume, it's not one dimensional. You know, right. you don't Absolutely. see me doing a bunch of comedies or you don't see me doing, you know, too many cop things. It's, you know, I, I try to do a lot of different things uh, because the world is a lot of different things. Exactly. So, um, you know, I, I enjoy doing, you know, the the uh, multiple characters and multiple roles. It just makes it, it, it makes it, it makes it more easy when they say, can you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, 
I'm like, yeah, I did it. I can do it. I do it every day. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why I love yeah. having you on the show, man, because you're so versatile and like not afraid to try shit. Because like we told you before, this podcast is geared towards the up-and-comers trying to break into the entertainment industry. And that's definitely a piece of advice that they should take. Don't be afraid to try something, even if it's out of your comfort zone. Because once you get out of there, that's when some amazing shit can happen. Right. That's I mean, right. if you quit... You'll, if you quit, you'll never know what it was going to be like. Exactly. Right? If you quit. so That's good. That's yeah. a t-shirt. Yeah, make that into a t-shirt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> trademark. Trademark. That's right. Okay, so, so, we, so we got another one because, I mean, we, how can we not mention this one? Queen Pins. You play a defense oh, attorney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, Kristen yeah, yeah. Bell and Vince Vaughn. That must have been interesting. Yeah, Joe. Is it Joe McHale? Yeah, Joe? Joel McHale. Yep. Joe McHale, Vince Vaughn, Kristen Bell. Uh, there was the guy who played in that Atlanta movie with the bomber. He was in that's there. That's right. That's right. Uh, Danny, who I did another project. Did uh, I did one of those uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies with Danny or Daniel, whatever yep. his name was. Uh, and yeah, man, it was cool, man. I you know I love Vince Vaughn, man. I love Vince Vaughn. I love Kristen Bell. I was you know I was her attorney, and uh, and it's funny, man. When I, we were doing the scene, uh, they, so there were two scenes. The first scene was pretty much the opening argument, and then uh, the second scene was uh, was it was all improv, right? So yeah, I had the opening. You know, I had to do a closing statement, and uh, and so I improv the whole closing statement. They let me improv the whole closing Nice. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, they really must know that I <laughs> right. know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, so I did it. And so we cut. We did two takes and they cut. And then, that, you know, Vince Vaughn came up to me. You know, he had a brief little, you know, a little, uh, a little, a little delay. He said, hey, man, are you really an attorney, dude? I was like, <laughs> no, dude. I slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, so I get, I'm, I'm guessing it was a pretty effective closing argument. I mean, you know. Yeah, man. Listen, I watched every lawyer show that's possible on TV. I was Judge Judy, Judge Matthew. I watched them all, man. Judge Joe Brown. I oh, watched them all, goodness. man. I watched every you know law show there is. You know, L.A. Law. That's right. Whatever. Nashville. So I, I know what their temperament is. I know what they do. Uh, so I just started th- talking about the Constitution and why the court was um, the court was created. Mm. Yeah, it had nothing to do with the scene, but right. I'm like, oh, this is a good topic. <laughs> <laughs> there you <laughs> go. That's awesome, man. Just I started you... to say, you know, one of them. I started to say, if the glove don't fit. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> With all Johnny that, Cochran on that. us. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna do it, but I was like, nah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I might get trouble. That's so great, man. That's so great. And I mean, I'm just curious with you being such a all over the map type of guy with the type of roles you play. So what kind yeah. type of like movies and shows do you watch like on your free time? What's your favorite type of genre? Uh, sports center. Uh, <laughs> there you go. You just try to get away from <laughs> it all. Right. That's right. No. Yeah. So I, I got to keep me fresh, you know? So I, uh, no, I, uh, I don't, I, you know, I just watch, I, I try not to watch too much new TV because it's, some of it's really bad. Man. Yeah. And, uh, so my practice is the world, you know. My where I where I really hone my skills is just being a, a a good person and having the effects of being a good person when something happens bad, 
try to uh, try not to take it bad. Mm-hmm. But but now if I have to take it bad, what is that experience like, and how is it relatable to once I get in front of the camera? Right. So I you know I cut completely loose when I'm in front of the camera because there is there is a part of my personality and a part of myself that has a big treasure chest of life. Mm-hmm. Right. I have a big treasure chest of life. So I have life experiences in there. So once one of those things are tapped. They come out like it's normal. Nice. You know, it's I, it's come out. So I I don't I don't watch. You know, I do listen a lot to actors. Like I listened to an interview with Harvey Keitel, and, and when he was talking, because he's a he's a tremendous actor. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and he was talking about purpose and having things stored up. You know, in your in yourself as a person. And then Robert Duvall, I listened to him when uh, Colbert was interviewing him, and he talked about you know just letting letting the script guide you. You know, you don't have to invent. You know, the funniest thing actors say to me sometimes, not experience with new actors, see that they say, oh, so what would the character do? And I go, who are you, who are you talking about? That person doesn't exist yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what would right. the character do? Who are you talking to? You know, you're the, you're the person that's supposed to invent them. An invisible person can't invent you. Yep. <clears throat> so that's the best of my point is like you have to use the things that are inside you to create things according to what's on the paper, you know? Absolutely. So, uh, and, and, and a lot of people, you know, I think that's the biggest challenge for a lot of actors, a lot of new actors. They don't trust their own experiences. Mm, that's solid right there. That's real solid. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so you've got a treasure chest of life experiences. You're a funny guy. You, you know, you bring it all to – so there's got to be at some point al- along this career of yours an embarrassing moment. What is the most embarrassing oh, moment that you've had on set, man, that you just were like, I can't believe this happened to me, but, you know, you're okay now with it? Uh, I have three words. <laughs> Joe Dirt 2. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Got to go back. Got to go back and yeah, watch. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Oh, my goodness, girl. That is one where I just totally regret. But uh, they say you get one. That's yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Dirt 2 is one. So your embarrassing moment is a whole film. Right? Oh, a whole like my whole film. appearance. <laughs> Fair my enough. Whole being on that movie was an embarrassment. <laughs> Especially when David Spade was reading off a cue card. Oh, oh shit. Oh, oh man. And I go, I go, like, can I get can I do that too? Right. <laughs> but it was just it was the most ridiculous. I mean, I mean, man, I was like, please don't, please cut me out of the movie. Please cut me out of the movie. Please cut me out of the movie. <laughs> the one and only time an actor's like, please the let one, me end up on the cutting please. room floor, right? <laughs> you know, I was hoping, like, I was hoping the movie would go straight to audio. Right. Uh, it's just like that's damn. how bad it was. Uh, I was like, oh man, this needs to be an audio book. Right. <laughs> Joe Dirt the podcast. Or fucking, you know. <laughs> Come on. Right. Uh, that's it. That's, that's the that's the first thing that comes to my mind is Joe Dirt too. Enough said. Enough said. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh my goodness. Well listen, man, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And I mean you oh, always man. pass on like the best pieces of advice, especially for up and comers trying to break into it. Because because you just have like this such good energy around you and the way you talk about the entertainment industry and just life in general, man. It's always a humbling experience to have you back on and just talk, man. I appreciate it, man. You know, I was created by God, so that's the strength, brother, you know. So that's it. it's just a pleasure to to talk you know, to talk to guys like yourselves who 
you know, ask some good questions, man, and, and ask questions not not because of sensation, but some good questions that'll help people and and understand, you know, what what actors go through and what what's possible. Because I never talk about things that aren't possible. That's right. And you guys always bring that out, man. I appreciate. It. Oh, thank well, you. Yeah, thank man. You. We really appreciate you saying that, man. We strive to try to do that, and we, it, it's nice to be recognized, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, listen, as always, open invite because you are a busy man and we know at some point you will <laughs> have something else to talk about. And even if not, you just come back and we'll just talk, man, because you're, you're, yeah. you're the laughter is infectious. We'll talk sports. I mean, come on. You, you, we know oh, what you man. watch, man. I There's so many. That, yeah, man. dude. We just got it. Who's your team? That. Who's your team? Uh, uh, wow. Who's my team? Well, it was. I wanted Chris Paul to win. Yeah. Me too. Us Me too. too. Yeah. I did, but Phoenix wasn't my team. But I, I, I just wanted to do the win, man. You it, know, it was hard for anybody did. not to, right? I mean, come on. Hey, yeah. And then he, he won. He signed like what is he? Thirty six. He signed a four year deal for hundred and something million. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He won. He won. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we definitely have to talk sports with you. Yeah, we gotta talk because I, I like to introduce like different characters in sports. Man, like I, I know I can do this. I mean, like Chris Paul, shoot the ball, Chris Paul. Shoot the ball. Okay, all right. Now, now I'm just envisioning we'll we'll do a Zoom and we'll watch some sporting event live with you, man, and we'll just have a blast oh, with that, man. bro. Oh, just have a blast. Man. <laughs> right, seriously, man, we're, we're so pumped to have you back on, and thanks so much. And I just uh, you guys. open invite, and dude, take care. We'll be in touch soon, and, and and just God bless, man. All right, you too, both of you, man. Thanks for the view. Yep, of course, of course. All we'll right, talk bro. to you later. Bye. All right, man. So good, man. So good. Every time he comes back on, like I told him, I mean, he's just such, like, he radiates that positive energy. He really does, and that laugh, man, is infectious. It, it, he looks like such a seriously imposing, all-the-time serious dude, but he's got to be, like, one of the funniest people we know. Exactly, I mean, it's exactly. And I mean, out of our 120-something, 110-something guests, like, he is uh, only part of that handful that bounces around from yeah. different genres and not afraid to take risks and not afraid to be like, yeah, that movie shouldn't happen. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I love actors who can come on or any anybody in the industry, directors, whatever, that can own that and go, yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah. That shouldn't happen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's so great, man. So great. Thank you again, James, for coming on the show. All right. It's time for the top five. It's time. You probably think I'm thinking of Batman, but I'm not. I'm not interpreting Batman. I'm talking about Clint Eastwood. That's right. Top five Clint Eastwood films. And man, I had to do my studying for this one. <laughs> I did not because I'm old, yes. as, as we point out every week on the show. You know, it's funny that you did that, though, you, and compared the bat Because for the, uh, the longest time after Batman Beyond first came out and it was such a huge hit and everybody was loving it, wanted to see a live action, Clint Eastwood was the name that was consistently dropped as the old Bruce Wayne that was mentoring. Really? Yeah. So Very interesting. it's interesting that you would bring that up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But like I said, if you guys follow me, you guys know I was watching Clint Eastwood movies all freaking week just to get ready for this top five. But I'm excited though. I'm excited. It was definitely worth it because it was a lot of good shit, man. A lot of good shit. I like all these movies now. Uh, the number five for me is The Bridges of Madison County. Mm. Man, oh man. I mean, this one could have went on my Meryl Streep ones now. But next time, next time. I can't wait though because this one, I mean, classic love story, obviously. But like I said when we were talking about FDR, why do people cheat? Why do people from this time period cheat? But you know, I mean, you know. 
I got nothing to say. I, we yeah. got nothing to say. Cheaters are cheaters. Yeah, exactly. But good movie. <laughs> good movie overall. Oh, yeah. And the women love it. I mean. It, it is. It's on the list of every woman. It I'm is. pretty sure it is. Um, my number five is a lesser known uh, Clint Eastwood movie, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It Heartbreak Ridge, where he plays an old Marine drill sergeant who's called back into duty after Grenada is, uh, you know, uh, in, invaded. And they basically have to go save a platoon. Um, he takes a bunch of young guys who aren't ready, but makes them ready because he's fucking Clint Eastwood, you know, and he's, he, <laughs> you're going to do what Clint Eastwood tells you to fucking do. So, um, I just thoroughly love it. Anytime Clint Eastwood could be a badass, which is basically every movie ever, every movie. um, but him as a Marine and a drill sergeant, enough said. It's a good one. Exactly, exactly. Uh, number four for me is basically the same premise that you just described. Old school astronaut coming back, about to go into space. <laughs> I mean, old school pilot about to go into space because he's the only one that can fix it. And he takes some young bucks up with him. But, I mean, this cast was absolutely amazing. I mean, Donald Sutherland, Tommy Lee Jones, and, I mean, so many more. Like, it was hilarious. I love the chemistry be all, between all four of them. There was some questionable music choices. I'm not going to lie that even probably when they were watching this thing at the premiere, they were like, what the fuck is that? Mm. Like, I mean, the the song that's playing when they're like walking back like into NASA when they're old men, like it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> but I mean, if you blink, you miss it. Young Jesse Eisenberg is in this thing playing, uh, I think it's young Tommy Lee Jones. No, it's young... Um, uh donald sutherland yeah that's who it is but i mean it was so good and honestly i haven't seen a lot of donald sutherland films either so to be able to see him like this i'm just saying it's really freaking epic i mean i'm seeing hunger games but you know there's a little one that you might have heard of called mash and eh, no <laughs> i haven't seen it <laughs> Okay, um, <laughs> my number four, my list is is basically the same description for every movie. It's about a guy who's old, who's coming back, and or still trying to prove himself. Yeah. Like every movie, I feel like in the past 20 years, that's Clint. My number four is Trouble with the Curve, in which he plays an old baseball scout still trying to prove to the Atlanta Braves he's got what it takes to find talent. John Goodman is the guy that's with the uh, uh, Atlanta Braves organization that wants to fire him, but gives him one more chance because he's his buddy. Um, Amy Adams plays his daughter, who also is a scout, and uh, kind of gets looped into the whole thing to kind of help her father out. Um, and they're on the uh, lookout for uh, a pitcher that can throw a curveball. Mm. Trouble with the curve is the name of it. And... What I really like about this one, Justin Timberlake is in it. Justin Timberlake plays the love interest for Amy Adams. And I just – anytime I see Justin Timberlake, I, I, I always want to reiterate over and over, this man is so underappreciated as an actor. He's a phenomenal actor. To hold your own against Clint and Amy Adams, you should just know that's enough to say that you're a great actor. Exactly. Um, it's a really touching story, though. It honestly really is. It was shot in Atlanta at, at the stadium, and just, um, it's a really good one. Trouble with the, Clint's a little toned down in this one. You know, he's not angry. He's not aggressive. He's not mean. He's just a dad with a job trying to keep it, loves his daughter, and, like, loves the game of baseball. You know. He's not beating anybody up. He's no. not, 
But it's still a great one. You got to watch it. Trouble with the curve. Yes, yes. And number three for me, well, for both of us, is Gran Torino. This one is so damn good, guys. I mean, if you haven't checked this one out, what are you doing? This is the definition of America, basically. Like reading a book by its cover and or by their skin, but then either you take the time to get to learn these people and learn who they are and what they're about or you don't take the time and you continue to hate them for a preconceived notion reason. So, I mean, it's a beautiful story about overcoming basically your outlooks that you've thought the whole life but are able to make friends at the end of the day because you end up being the bigger person from your old self and being able to talk and have a discussion and like just have that open dialect. Yeah, this this one um if you are easily offended, be careful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Clint does not hold back with um, his his racial no. comments in this one. No. Um, it's pretty hardcore, but like you said, it's meant to be hardcore to, to make that message, to get that point. And, you know, you described it pretty well. I feel like there's a lot of people that came up in that era that either from World War II or Vietnam that had this hatred towards Asians, just this built-in, I can't stand them attitude, you know? And, and so to overcome that and not judge by the, you know, and become friends and help this family and do the things, um, it's a brilliant movie, guys. It's an absolutely brilliant movie, and you should really see it. But be prepared. Yeah, be prepared. The first like 20, 30 minutes are kind of rough, and you might be offended. So. Uh, well, I what I found funny though is I was I actually saw this in the theater, and there were a lot of uh, Asian people in the theater who were slapping knees and laughing as hard as they can at every racial. Co- they thoroughly enjoyed it. They're like Clinty's <laughs> zipper head, <laughs> and I was like. What what do you do? But they got the they got the humor in it. Yeah. They got the storytelling in it, and that's what we need. See, entertainment is the way to get these things out there. That's how you do it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, my number two goes to Million Dollar Baby. Mm. Man, oh man, talk about Oscar royalty, I should say. Um, but never seen this one before this week, and so damn good, man. So damn good. A perfect story about. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can always go after your dreams and keep moving forward. I mean, the main character and the whole thing, I mean, she kept getting told time and time again, you're too old. You're a girl. Why are you doing this? Get a real job. By at first, Clint, her char- his character, and her family the whole time. Everybody in the neighborhood's making fun of you, and they're laughing at you. But then, you know, I mean... I was crying by the end of it. It's fucking so damn sad, especially when he like injects her and like turns everything off. I'm like, oh my god, because he's the only one who really cared about her at the end. And I mean, of course, Morgan Freeman. Uh, such a great movie, man. If you haven't seen this one, please do so. I, I I love everything about how you just described it. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman. Enough said. Yeah. And Swank was brilliant in it. And by the way, if you watch that movie, you're going to spot a lot, a lot of Marvel people early in their careers. Yeah. Popping up in that movie. Just saying. A lot of them. <laughs> um, My number two, 
is about an old guy that's trying to come back and still prove he can do his job. Oh, in the line of fire. Oh my gosh, this is one of my all-time favorite Clint Eastwood movies. He's an old Secret Service guy that took a, the bullet for a president at one point in his career, but he's old now. He's not. People are not sure he can still get the job done. He's near retirement, but guess what? A psychopath wants to kill the president. John Melkovich plays the psychopath. Mm. And holy shit, does he play a great psychopath. Anyway, he lures Clint's character out of retirement or almost retirement to save the president once again, showing that he'll still take a bullet. Uh, and he can still run outside the car. And all that kind of good shit, even though man, he's like 187 years old. Yeah. He's Clint fucking Eastwood, okay? Yeah. Uh, it's a great movie, all kidding aside, though. It's got it, it, it's just it's epic Clint. And John Malkovich is insane. Yeah. He's insane. Agreed. Agreed. Well, speaking of epic Clint and like a fucking sociopath, my number one goes to Dirty Harry and the bad guy that was in Dirty Harry. Yeah. Taking it back to the younger version of Clint. I love this one. I mean, filmmaking royalty, basically a classic, as they say. Um, Something that this is really random, but something that I really love about old film is the blood special effects. I don't know why I like that version of the blood special effects so damn much, but I mean, it kind of just takes me back to like watching Big Jake and John Wayne and like mm. all that good shit. So, yeah, number one for me, Dirty Harry. I mean, like I said, just such a damn classic. And I mean, is now my favorite Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> and one of the most iconic lines in film history. Always. I mean, always. And he's got a lot of those. He does. Um, My number one is one that he tucked in a drawer and kept it there for like 18 years because it wasn't <clears throat> time he got the script and he said it isn't time this needs to be made later and he knew exactly when to make it he proved that because they got the oscar for it i'm talking about his best western he's he's known for his westerns early on spaghetti westerns right outlaw josie wales so many of them but this one was the killer unforgiven he brings back morgan freeman Mm. it's him and morgan freeman and uh it, it and gene hackman as the bad guy what it's one of gene hackman's last you know, uh, significant roles before he went into retirement. And it's basically about an old cowboy who comes out of retirement because his best bud got killed by Gene Hackman and he, he, he he's going to exact revenge. Um, all kidding aside, though, the acting between these three men is stellar. It's why they're all legends in the industry. Um, and it's just unbelievable. Uh, the story, the visuals. It's Clint Eastwood, in my opinion, at his best, directing and starring with this stellar cast. It's brilliant. And if you haven't seen it, it deserved the Oscar. Check it out. Unforgiven. Yes. It's, yes. It's brilliant. It is. It is. And, I mean, if you guys have a number one Clint Eastwood movie, we want to know. Be sure to add us on social media. We love the fan interaction. We love talking to everybody, and I mean, everybody loves Clint Eastwood. I mean, there's so many. You guys could have your top fives and never duplicate anything on our list. Exactly. I mean, we didn't even touch the Westerns other than Unforgiven. Any Which Way Was Loose with the Orangutan. Mm-hmm. I mean, play Misty for me. There's so many, so guys. Many, so many. Uh, now heading over to the box office recap. Number one this week was Suicide Squad with $26.3 million. <laughs> Yeah, that disappointment. <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, number two was Jungle Cruise with 15.8. Number three was Space Jam A New Legacy with 4.3. Number four was Old with $4.1 million. 
And number five was Black Widow with 3.9 million. Mm. Now, I honestly, I mean, I just think there's, I don't want to say theater fatigue, but I think theater, like, terrified theater horror like i think people are just scared to go to the theater and if they go to the theater they're not going back more than once for the same movie so i think more than the streaming services being same day releases i think that's the cause more than that um with the drought basically agreed because they know they can only see it once and then they can see it at home i think it's a combination they're terrified to go see it, but they decide to, but they definitely won't go see it twice because of COVID. And then that added security that they can see it again if they want to at home. Uh, I mean, it just makes sense. It does. It does. Uh, new movies that are coming out this week are Free Guy. Free Guy is out right now with Ryan Reynolds. Don't Breathe 2. Coda. Respect with our buddy Joshua McHale. Yes, I really want to see this one. I do too. Uh, And number five, The East is also coming out. So Mm. be sure to check out those. Movies you can still go see right now. Stillwater, The Green Knight, Snake Eyes, Escape Room, The Tournament of Champions, and F9, The Fast Saga. Where is Escape Room still at? No idea. Like, I, I, I'm just wondering how this thing is still lingering. I don't even know. Exactly, exactly. Now heading over to the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. Oh, man, oh, man. These are by no surprise, especially the TV show, because a lot of people, I've been hearing word of mouth that this show is just so good. I oh, watched yeah. the first episode, and I mean, it's pretty good. I I mean, from the first episode, but I mean, I haven't gone further than that. Maybe right. there's, like, more at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. Maybe I have to keep going. <laughs> uh, the top trending movie, though, is The Suicide Squad, by no surprise. The top trending show, the one I was just referring to, is Outer Banks. Literally everybody at the day job is talking about it everybody on social media is talking about it so got to keep moving forward and there's like season two's out now so i think season two is like hitting the fucking wall everybody's excited (laughs) and uh star madeline klein is the top trending star from outer banks outer banks there you go Um, yeah man yeah it's super good man super good we got to thank our guest one more time, James Moses Black, for coming on the show. Yes. Episode 170. We got to thank the audience for getting a little crazy with us on the show. We appreciate it. And you guys know you can follow us on social media at ItCaf Podcast on all social media platforms, including TikTok, and at Crazy Ant Media on all social media platforms. Yes. Not including TikTok. Uh, you can follow us both <laughs> personally on all social media platforms at JLo Fantastic and at Crazy Ant Guy nineteen seventy. Yes, and you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast: Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're watching this video on YouTube, we appreciate it. Be sure to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming from Crazy Ant Media. And you guys know you can visit. At the website www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We have new gear out yes. right now. Check it out, man. This is literally something for everyone because, as you see on your screen right now, it's proud, crazy insert there like basically proud, crazy <laughs> husband, proud, crazy mom, proud, crazy. 
crazy daughter like it's absolutely amazing something for everyone and i hope everybody enjoys it yeah so, man um yeah great show great show um honestly i mean it's sad to say because everybody loves how much knows how much we love disney but i think my favorite part was deep diving into chapik's bullshit because it's really putting a damper on disney's success it is, and you can, like I said, it's a Band-Aid. Those numbers are a Band-Aid. This guy has been making some decisions and continues to make some decisions that I think are not good for Disney. I just think it, I don't know, we could talk about it forever, but... It's rough. It, it, it's it's bad. It and is. And I think people are finding out quickly that he might not have been the best choice. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, call up Kevin Mayer. Call him up. <laughs> Too late now. He's got Hello Sunshine. I know. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, but... It is what it is, man. I mean, this is an ongoing thing with him. I don't see this stopping anytime soon, especially, especially when he makes stupid ass statements. Yeah, like he the Shang Chi thing literally just happened today on Saturday the fourteenth. So yeah, you it's know, just I don't know, man. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how they move forward and if there's going to be an executive decision somewhere to be like, get the fuck out. So you know, you know, and I mean, I it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I don't know what else to say. I don't know, but it is. It was one of my favorite sections too. Just like t- talking about, you know, because it's the Mouse House, man. It's like the one that everybody like tries to be, right? Like that everybody wants to go and to see it in trouble and treading water is kind of like just ugh, it's heartbreaking. Definition of legacy. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. It's- don't fuck up the mouse, bro. Don't, Don't do fuck it. up the mouse. Don't freaking. Do All I'm it. saying is, uh, Michael Eisner. Remember when he started making some questionable decisions? That didn't end well. Like, yeah. you know, and you're no Michael Eisner, sir. I'm just saying. Not at all. That's my not opinion. Not at all. Not the time, not the tenure, not any of that shit. <laughs> no, n- nor the genius. Nor I'm the genius. Saying. I mean, still bald. Both bald. <laughs> but not, not the same cranium. <laughs> oh, man. But Iger did have a good set of hair, didn't he? It like, did. he skipped that part. He like, did. He was like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so freaking great but you guys know the only way we know how to end this show with appreciating and loving the one and only Oprah